John, we've taken the show on the road to Vegas and the general manager's meetings. What are you looking forward to here? Well, I mean, it should be a great winter. This is the start of it. Obviously, each local team has a superstar, DeGrom, who's a free agent, and Aaron Judge, who's arguably the best player in the game, free agent, and a great shortstop market. Now we have Bogertz and Gray have declared for free agency. Um, so it should be an outstanding free agent market to follow all winter. Yeah, we're going to be talking about the Mets, DeGrom, Diaz, what the Yankees should be doing, what the word process means, the new Hall of Fame battle, Shohei Otani, and much more if you stick with us on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. John, last year the Mets acted uh, quickly before the lockout. They got a lot of big things done, so they weren't at that mercy when the lockout ended. Before the quiet period ended in free agency here, they've already gotten a big free agent done. They settled with uh, Edwin Diaz, five years, 102 million. It's still pending, some final language and a physical, but we're pretty certain yep. this is done. What do you think that means, and what do you think it means to their offseason? Well, it's great. They obviously listened to our podcast. We recommended that that be the top target for them. Diaz is fantastic, one of the best two or three closers in baseball. Absolutely needed to bring him back into the fold. I think they did it for the right amount. Uh, we had him, I had my expert at the post predict, he predicted 105 for five. He got 102 for five, so right there. I think they did a great job, but boy, do they have a lot of work to do. I mean, they were a great position winning 101 games, but to have seven outstanding players who are free agents, that payroll's going to rise, and that's just to keep the same team that they had on the field, not, not even talking about improving. It's not going to be easy. Yeah, you know, to me, I saw some criticism of the contract here with Diaz because it's a relief pitcher, you know, do you go five years? And I'm always playing the game of you're dealing in the best of all yeah. worlds. The Mets don't live in the best of all worlds. They live in the real world. Right. They can't just say, hey, we're going to punt on the 2023 season in the prime of Alonzo's career, in the middle of Lindor's contract, right. etc. With Steve Cohen ready to support a, probably a 300 million-ish uh, payroll again, Diaz is a guy who, if you don't have him, what are the opportunities cost? What else do you have to do? And by the way, we're old enough. It wasn't it was six years ago. Chapman at the same age with yeah. about the same accomplishment, got five at 86. Right. What do you think with inflation this yeah, becomes? Well, this is about the right contract. I mean, I think people are saying that, you know, the Chapman deal was not a good deal, the Jansen deal was, you know, kind of not great, at least for the Dodgers. He obviously did well last year uh, with the Braves. Uh, to me, it's a bargain, I, you know. I mean, I know it's a record. Uh, this is a huge piece for this team. Drew Smith, as you pointed out to me earlier, was their best reliever under contract. You can't go into a season with Drew Smith as your, I mean, he's a fine- By player. the way, do you know he's younger than Drew Smith? Diaz? Diaz is young, yeah. Yeah. He's 20, 28. Yeah, actually. he's actually, he's, he'll play at 20. He's exactly the same age as Chapman was. Right. When Chapman signed the 5 at 86, people get confused. The Chapman contract got worse when they redid it 
for right. three years. He was good at the beginning of I that mean, contract. How can anyone say he's overpaid? People are talking about DeGrom getting $40 million. They both threw about 64 innings last year. 64 innings. And we're talking about DeGrom throwing, you know, innings one through five or six generally in a game. Diaz threw high-pressure innings, eighth and ninth, in, mostly ninth-inning innings in very close games. How much more productive and valuable was he than DeGrom over the last year, year and a half? I mean, you could say that about Taiwan Walker, who's probably and Bassett and Nimmo, they've all done more than, De, to me, DeGrom at $40 million or whatever he's going to get. People are saying they think he is going to get $40 million. To me, that's an overpay. $20 million for a guy who, in my mind, was the most valuable man last year. That's a bargain. Yeah, and again, you you deal in not the best of all possible worlds. You deal in the real world. You mention it. Drew Smith is their best guy coming back. You know, there's no Lugo. There's no Adovino. They're going to have to fill all of these positions. Right now, they're pretty comfortable with Scherzer as the ace and Diaz in the ninth. They got to... Everything you know, else is, is in play. So why don't we go there, John, which is what's next? Uh, how would you approach it? You mentioned you think DeGrom is probably a number you don't, you don't love where you think it's heading. What would you do if you were them? Well, I bring back Carrasco. They need to, I mean, Carrasco is a league average pitcher, 97 ERA plus. Average pitcher uh, for $11 million. It's $14 million pickup or $3 million buyout. So I'd bring him back. They, they need to get innings. He threw 100, over 150 innings last year. I mean, they're going to have to scour that market, whether it be Senga, a Japanese pitcher, or whomever may be out there, Martin Perez. they got to look at all these different pieces. To me, if, if there's, you know, the budget's very high, sure, try to bring DeGrom back. But if they have a budget, I mean, it's going to be high, no matter what it is. But even if it's only $320 million or something like that, and you're, you're not going to fit DeGrom in there, you're going to have to get multiple guys for the rotation and for the bullpen. They have a lot of work to do. That bullpen market is very thin. That's another reason. Got to bring Diaz. You had to bring Diaz back. Who else were you going to get? I mean, Jansen. He's the only other guy who's really an accomplished closer who's out there on the market. You had to do that, but boy, a lot of work to do. Even if you believe that McGill and Peterson are starters and you bring Carrasco back, they are still at least two starters short in so, rotation. So I think they have to play all the markets. Uh, we're coming up on the tender date when uh, contracts for 2023 have to be tendered. That's when we get a whole other slew of free agents, right? Guys are non-tendered. And I think the guys who are right on the borderline who might be able to pitch at the back of their rotation or be a hybrid guy, starter reliever like Trevor Williams. I sense Trevor Williams wants to go out in this marketplace and see if he could be sure. a starter someplace. Yep. So I think they need to replace him. Is that someone like Dakota Hudson, Ryan Yarbrough, Brad Keller, some guys who are right on the borderline of being tendered or not yeah. by some, some teams? I think they're going to have to be aggressive in the Rule 5. But DeGrom is interesting. Let's swing back to him, John, and just ask this question again because we don't deal in the perfect world. We deal in the real world. If you're the owner of the Mets, does it matter to you at all that your fan base loves this player and that sure. if he signs this contract... He becomes one of those lifelong Mets, likely, who end up, you know, in the yeah. with their number retired, etc. So, what, what do you think of that? I mean, you certainly consider what the fans think. I mean, it's all about the fans. Uh, certainly, uh, Steve Cohen will consider what the fans think, and the fans do love Degrom. But ultimately, you want to put the best team that you can on the field with within the budget that you set. I mean, he, they're, they're, they do not have an unlimited budget, no matter how much anyone thinks that. He should spend all the money that he's got. That, that's not realistic. That tax may, is so onerous, it makes it really uh, just untenable to bring it up to whatever. So you're going to have to make some tough decisions. For me, it would be DeGrom, because I keep hearing that other people say he's going to get that $40 million somewhere. 
You got a guy who's thrown basically 150 innings over two years. He's played one year in two years. To me, that's at an 80 million rate. If he continues that rate and with a multi-year deal, I mean, I, for me, I wouldn't do it. I would try to figure out a way to play without DeGrom. I don't think he's worth the 40 million, but certainly the fans count. Certainly the Mets' opinion is that uh, they'd like to have him back. So yeah, you know what would be interesting? I think the Mets. I think the Mets declared here, John. They got Diaz done early because they thought this is a player who badly wants to stay. We badly want to keep him. Nimmo and Degrom, who are the next two guys in some order, I think they know are going to drag out a little bit, sure. and you could believe their market is going to be wildly different. Does Nimmo get a hundred? Or 175 million. You know what is the the delta there? Does Degrom get to 40 million or not? I think in some ways the Mets are probably comfortable saying, "Well, go out there and show us that you could get the 40, and then we'll get to make a decision." But I would flip it around, John, and ask this question: If they don't spend the 40 on him, Aaron Judge is out there. There's this whole shortstop group. There's some rumors in this shortstop yeah. group that maybe Trey Turner comes and either plays second base and McNeil goes to the outfield or comes and plays center field, though he's not done that ever in the major leagues. What do you, what do you think of that, of what they do with the $40 million in Turner? Yeah, first of all, I think the Trey Turner thing is fanciful. I did hear that from a Mets person back at the World Series in a phone conversation, how much they love Trey Turner. I don't think that's really realistic. I mean, he balked at the trade to the Dodgers, the Los Angeles Dodgers, and part of it might have been geography, but it was Part of it was going to second base. He's now in a market. But do you think going to second base bothered him because he still hadn't been a free agent yet and he knew he could make you know, more money, but if he got the money, you know would he people, be more comfortable you know people, second or shortstop? You know people who oh, play center. shortstop want to stay yeah, at shortstop. shortstop. We saw how much Derek Jeter wanted to stay at shortstop, and, and he had every right to do that. I'm not questioning that. They, they don't like to leave shortstop. He wants to be a shortstop. I think there are nine teams out there that are looking for a shortstop. And we're talking about a guy with a great speed-power combination. I, I think it, you don't want to gamble with $300 million and move the guy to a different position. That's one. And number two, I don't think he's going to do it. So I think Nimmo is your guy. The problem is, of course, he's got Scott Boris. They're going to play it out. He's in great position. There's no other great true center fielder on the market. The other option would be Judge, which I do not see the Mets doing. I don't think they want to start an intra-city war, just like the Yankees weren't going to go for Diaz. And I don't think the Yankees are going to go for DeGrom. I mean, maybe people will say that's not the right thing to do. Go for Judge. Uh, I mean, there are enough other options out there to do something different. Certainly Nimmo at the top of that. And, and I think they've got to, you know, if it takes a while, it takes a while. But Nimmo's got to be their guy. Yeah, uh, I, I do think it's interesting, John. I, I think there'll be enough of a market for Trey Turner that he's not going to have to of change, change positions to do it. I mean, we saw last year when Trevor Story got desperate, he was willing to move to second base, right? right? Like, they, I don't think there'll be desperation for Turner. Uh, Seattle will be in it. St. Louis will be in it. There'll be oh multiple teams. Philadelphia may be in it, etc. The Cubs could be yeah. in it. And certainly yeah. all those teams like Atlanta, he could go to Minnesota, potentially Boston is a possibility. I do think there is a geographic element to his decision making. I think he would prefer to be on the East Coast, would prefer to be in Florida, all things being equal. But there are many, many options. Options. He's a, one of the best players in the game. He's second in war over the last three years to Aaron Judge. He's going to get the $300 I'll, million to play shortstop. I'll tell you a little something. The rules play in his favor also. With the bigger bases and the lack of pickoff throws, that's expected to improve infield hits and stolen bases. The guy over the last five years who leads by quite a lot in both of those categories is Trey Turner. So, yeah, that, that's a, so, so in other words, I, already he does all these things well. Now he gets some advantage. 
I'll say this. I think there's going to be some hopscotching, uh, John, here. It wouldn't surprise me if Xander Bogarts ended up in Atlanta, and then Dansby Swanson ended up with the Dodgers who, to replace Turner, which puts Boston in position to get shortstop. I think the Cubs, in other words, the shortstop market's going to be the shortstop market. The shortstops are going to play shortstop, right? Oh, like absolutely. That's, He's now, not, I don't, I don't, I mean, you, people can save this tape. I don't, I don't see Trey Turner moving to center field. There's no reason for him to move. He's a very good shortstop and an incredible all-around player with a big market of teams. I've got nine teams that are going to be looking at shortstop. One of those teams will not be the Yankees. The Yankee, right. Yankee people have pretty much assured me sure. and you they're going with the idea of Peraza or Volpe is going to be their shortstop right. next year. If they have to hold on a bit with Isaiah kind of Falefa, they'll do it. I want to ask a bigger question before we end our first block here, John. You wrote about their press conference last week. Uh, they, the thing that stuck out to me was Brian Cashman talking about the process being sound, and if the process is sound, I don't want to say they ignore the outcome, yeah. but the process is to some degree more important than the outcome. What was your take on this press conference? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't disagree. The process is sound. Is that an overwhelming compliment? I don't think so, right? I mean, I give You have them, a great personality. Right, right. right. Yeah, I, so. I mean, I give them credit. I mean, there, there isn't every GM, and, I, and there's so, much, so many fans out there that I hear from get rid of Cashman. Hey, look, they've made the playoffs like 25 out of 29 years or something like that. I mean, that, there's a trick to that. That's important. He's yeah. done a good job. Now, they obviously haven't gotten the ultimate goal. Now, they've not won the World Series in 13 years. They haven't even gotten to the World Series. So I get the criticism. It, it, it's something is not exactly right. My solution, of course, I always like to spend other people's money, is to raise that payroll. They haven't been able to win with $260 million. Their revenues are considerably higher than everybody else, including the Mets. I mean, not double the Mets, but not that far off. And they certainly can't afford to go higher than $260 million. I recommend that they go one, after one of those shortstops. We were just told that's not going to happen. They certainly need to bring Judge back. I would say go out and get a great starting pitcher, add to it, maybe have dominant rotation, add Rodon to what they have, which is really fantastic, right? They already have three great starters at the top. Do something great like that. But I, you know, I, I get it. It's not a lie to say the process is sound, but it's, it's not an overwhelming statement either. I would say this. I agree with everything you say and nev always take a view from 10,000 feet. They are consistently in play for the playoffs and championships without yeah. getting there. But if you're going to talk about process, then you have to say every year somebody's process is better. Well, this is the year Boston's process is better. This is the year Tampa's process is better. And consistently Houston's process is better. They've been eliminated by them in the ALCS three times in the last six seasons. And I would just take shortstop, for example. It's why there's a lot of pressure. Their shortstop, young shortstops better be great, right? Carlos Correa leaves the Astros. The yeah. Yankees ignore Carlos Correa. Houston comes in with Jeremy yeah. Pena, a third round uh, draft choice. You spoke about him great early on. Training. You that's, see that you, that's kind of your home base in spring training. You said it. But he ends up being some combination of Correa and Derek Jeter this yeah, year, and I especially mean, in the playoffs. It says something about their ability to turn it over and be able to stay a consistently strong team. And that's internal. That isn't spending the money. That isn't doing Isaiah kind of falefer and taking on Josh Donaldson's hostage contract to do it. That's a better process, and I think the Yankees have to get to that better process. I mean, they have been able to slay the dragon. The dragon has been uh, an impossible thing for them to reach. It's no question. I did see him in a home run spring training. I thought it was about 500 feet. 
He looked like an incredible talent. And of course, you never know how that's going to translate into a real game. But Pena was fantastic. They have a, a great team, and the Yankees need to catch up. They, let's face it, they, they have made some mistakes. Obviously, getting Gallo, signing Hicks to a long deal. But they've passed on a lot of good players, not just the shortstops. And I, I kind of get it because they like Peraza. They like Volpe. I mean, they passed on Machado. They passed on Harper. They, they've passed on a lot of free agents that really, really would have helped them. And, uh, you know, I, to me, that's about the money, right? Why, what other reason would you not sign Harper or Machado, who would have made a huge difference? And, and by the way, Harper, you know, I know he has Scott Boyd. He only got $25 million a year. It's, I hope they say that about me. Joel only got $25 million a year. <laughs> that's a bargain. We'll, we're going to talk about somebody who's going to be a free agent after the 2023 se season. That's Shohei Otani and the Hall of Fame ballot, the new one that is going to be voted on in December when we come back on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, John, we didn't mention our first block, but we are at the general manager's meetings. If you're seeing us on the Yes app, for example, that's the beautiful background. You may be seeing general managers who run away from us all the time behind us. Uh, they all had a meeting as we're doing the show, which is why we don't have a guest this week. But perhaps the biggest news made so far at these meetings was uh, Angels general manager Perry Manazian saying that Shohei Otani will not be traded this offseason, what do you think of that? Not surprising. They're selling the team, right? And, and to sell the team, they've made the decision. I don't know if it's right or wrong because I'm not an economics expert. Got a C in economics in college. Uh, they made the Go decision. Go through all your grades. Don't stop here. <laughs> D in history. Uh, <laughs> They made the decision the team is more valuable. They'll get a higher price with Otani as part of the team rather than the five or six young players they would get back for him. I, it's hard for me to question that. I thought they should have traded him at the deadline when they could have gotten a huge haul and really, really uh, impacted what they were going to get back. Now he's got only a year to go before he's a free agent, and presumably he will then become the highest paid player in the game. So the value has been diminished, so I get it. It does seem like Barry Manajian, who is the GM, is, does not really have the ability to do anything at this point. They want to keep the team status quo as they're selling the team. Yeah, the trade market, it could be disappointing. We'll see. I did ask one GM earlier who's the best player who appears to be out there that he's heard so far. We'll see. But Pablo Lopez, who was on the market and good pitcher with the Marlins. But, I mean, that's not going to be, be headlines for any of us. I mean, it's a nice pitcher. Yankees talk to him. Maybe they'll get him. But uh, not going to be a huge trade market. And, uh, you know, obviously it is a big free agent market. Yeah, let's remind our listeners, the Yankees at the trade deadline, uh, the Marlins asked for Gleyber Torres and Oswald Peraza, and the return would have been Miguel Rojas and Pablo Lopez uh, on it. And the Yankees said no to that. The Yankees had countered at something lower than that. So you always wonder, can something like that be revisited? It's also a reminder that maybe Gleyber Torres could be used to go get something this offseason for the Yankees. If I were throwing in my two cents on Otani, I think you hit the key thing. They're selling the team. 
and it is a more attractive, valuable commodity right this second with Otani. But if that sale goes down between now and July, I have to assume a new owner will say, can we get you done? We'll give you the record deal. Yeah. If he says no, I think you and I, I hate to go right from the GM meetings to the July yeah. trade deadline, but he becomes the biggest piece at the July yeah. trade deadline. He could be in play again. And I would think the return is probably not all that different in July than they would get now. So right. it actually only makes sense for them yeah. to wait to July, get through the sale, and they'd still get a nice haul, not the haul that you wanted them to get yeah. in the past July. Well, he's such a big piece that he, he might even be part of the sale. I mean, the, a new owner may say, I'm sure I'll give you that $2.5 billion or $3 billion, whatever it is, but let me get a deal done with Otani so he's part of my team. Yeah. You never know. It's a possibility. Now, I've heard some rumors he could be part of the ownership team. Technically, that's not allowed by Major League Baseball, but certainly a guy could come in and say, I need to lock up Otani before I then go ahead and give you this deal. John, one of the other pieces of news that came out on day one of these GM meetings was the Contemporary Baseball Era Committee uh, announced their eight-person ballot for the Hall of Fame. At the winter meetings, which is a month from now in December in San Diego, they will announce if anyone from that ballot has made the Hall of Fame. Just again for our listeners, because sometimes it gets confused, this has nothing to do with the writing group. There are some writers on this committee, a few of them, but this is not the large committee that you see where the announcement comes out every January, X percent, X percent. And again, for our listeners, let me read you the eight guys who moved on. And is Fred McGriff, Don Mattingly, Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, Albert Bell, Roger Clemens, Dale Murphy, and Rafael Palmeiro. It's an interesting list because if we thought like, wow, who's the most pure player you've ever been around? That might be Dale uh, uh, Murphy. And if uh, who's the dirtiest players you've ever been around? Well, there's a lot of them on this list. So, John, I'm just going to throw it open. There's this eight, these eight players you've had a lot of thoughts on it you've written about it what do you think well i voted for five of them so i can't really say that i hate this list i voted for mcgriff i voted for mattingly i voted for Schilling. i even voted for bonds um you know they have a lot of great players on this list i'm disappointed and a guy i did i did not vote for at the time but i've now since been convinced he should be in the hall of fame as keith hernandez it's hard for me now to separate hernandez and mattingly i think they both belong in the hall of fame I, I don't know why Rafael Palmero was so favored. To me, um, you know, I get it, considering the guys with steroids, and I did vote for Bonds because I just thought he was an all-time great who had built that resume up even before he started taking steroids. Uh, Palmero failed the test. He was suspended. He lied to Congress. And, I mean, his resume is would be Hall of Fame worthy without all that, but it's not so overwhelming that he needs to be included why would you put Rafael Pomero among your eight instead of Sosa or McGuire? They did not fail tests. To me, they're more worthy of the Hall of Fame. It is called the Hall of Fame, not the Hall of War or the Hall of Stats. Sosa and McGuire. Fame they, is certainly on their side. Fame, and they help bring baseball back. Palmero, what is he known for? He didn't bring baseball back. He just took steroids. I don't get, I mean, I hate to be so critical because they are our brethren, the writers, and because I supported five of their eight, so I think they did a good job generally. I don't get the Palmero infatuation at all. What what could be the case for Palmero, not only over Keith Hernandez, but what's the case for Palmero over Mark McGuire? Doesn't make any sense, does it? No, it uh, it didn't. Uh, I, I didn't love the ballot. I, you know, this is literally a bunch of these guys, notably Clemens, Bond, Schilling, just fell off the ballot uh, from last January. Right. I thought there'd be a little deep breath 
and uh, like like well, move we on to give them a lot of votes, right? I mean, these I, guys, I voted. I voted for those three guys I right. mentioned. I voted they, for they every year they were in the ballot. So I, I I get taking that into consideration. They did have a lot of support. So I, you know, it, it doesn't bother me. That, and they are Bonds and Clemens are all-time greats. Palmero is not an all-time. Even with all the steroids that he took and yep. the lying he did in Congress. He's a great player, but he's not an all-time great. I don't. I just don't get that one so pick. Can if I, he did, they didn't do that one pick, I, w- I wouldn't really have a, a, a problem with and it. And so this might come down to, so I'm curious what you think of this. This might come down to that we know Keith Hernandez, we like Keith Hernandez. Keith Hernandez has been a guest on this podcast. I think when this uh, list came out, the initial reaction was Fred McGriff is the most likely guy from this group yeah. to actually get in. Good. If you were just playing a game of whose career would you rather have, Fred McGriff or Keith Hernandez, who is not even on here, Keith Hernandez who won an MVP, Keith right. Hernandez who's known for something, he might be the greatest defensive first right. baseman in the history of the game. And I'm not, Fred McGriff was always a tough vote yeah. for me because without a couple of strike lockouts, he gets over 500 homers. I think right. he finished at like 493 or something like that. He lost a lot of games in there. And if the Hall of Fame, if he went in the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Fame is no lesser for having Fred McGriff. Sure. But if I was just saying, John, I'll give yeah. you the career. You get to have the career. Would you take Fred McGriff's career or Keith Hernandez? I would take Keith Hernandez's career, and I think Fred McGriff's the guy who's going to get him on the on this yeah. ballot. Well, I can't argue against against McGriff. I voted for McGriff 15 times out of 15. I, I thought McGriff should be a Hall of Famer based on what he did, and we're here to honor people who, who deserve it. But do you it. think he's a greater career than Hernandez? Yeah, I'd probably rather have Hernandez's career because he won the MVP. And it's he won one of two, the things I think about a lot when I vote. And he won two World Series, and it is called the Hall of Fame. I mean, we are honoring people. That's why I, I hate to keep hopping on Palmero, but we're honoring people who we, who we would like to honor, right? Wouldn't you want rather honor Hernandez or many other players, Lou Whitaker, Dwight Evans? There are a lot of players I'd love to honor. I don't get the idea of honoring Palmero. Uh, McGriff, it's hard for me to say, because I voted for McGriff. I did not vote for Keith Hernandez. He fell off the ballot. That's why we need this perspective. That's why we need the Veterans Committee to undo the wrongs that we do. And, and you know, we're not perfect. I think we've been a little too tough. And I hope several of these players get in, three or four of them can get in. Um, but I, I'd like to, I think McGriff and Hernandez should both be in. You know, John, I I agree with you that it is the Hall of Fame and that Hernandez has extended his fame by becoming an iconic broadcaster as well, which I think helped get Richie Ashburn in, it got Phil Rizzuto in. So I think it's part of this. Right, and And he's better than both of those. I mean, I I agree. Richie Ashburn or Phil Rizzuto play, but looking at their stats and now that we know the the importance of war and OPS plus, He's a Hall of Famer. Look, I think there's lifetime achievement to this. Dusty Baker galvanized his Hall of Fame uh, plaque by just winning a championship. But even before that, he was a well above average baseball player who was a great manager who didn't have a championship. You put it all together, to me, it's a Hall of Fame life. I think Keith Hernandez has had more of a Hall of Fame life than just about anyone on this ballot. And you take the breadth of his career and to not make the final eight, I think it says something. Separate him from Mattingly. They're probably the two greatest first basemen of all time. Defensively. And people, yeah. Defensively. And, and generally, Keith is considered the best. And, I mean, seeing all the numbers and his OPS plus, all those best at positions at, around the infield, they're all in the Hall of Fame. Brooks Robinson's in the Hall of Fame. Ozzie Smith is in the Hall of Fame. Roberto Alomar's in the Hall of Fame. And none of them had a 128 OPS plus like Keith Hernandez. Keith Hernandez, to me, and I didn't vote for him, so I wasn't right there. 
Keith Hernandez, to me, is an obvious Hall of Famer, and he certainly should have made this list of eight. Well, I mentioned Dusty Baker. When we come back on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman, we'll have some final thoughts on the World Series just completed and wrap up the show here from Las Vegas and the, and the general managers' meetings. So, John, somehow you never made it to the World Series. I don't know how you pulled that off. I, I went right from the regular season to the World Series, and I'm here at the GM meetings. I think I need a Sherpa and a yak. It's getting exhausting. Uh, yeah. I always keep in perspective. My dad was a truck driver for 45 yeah, years. Yeah, well, my goal easier. is not to outwork you, because if I, that was my goal, I, I wouldn't be alive for the next podcast. So That's not going to happen. But you, the Post did have three people at the World Series, which yes. is more than any other paper whose teams were not involved in the World Series. Yes, we, oh, we take baseball very seriously at the New York Post. That's why you should be buying it or reading the app online every day. Uh, John, the World Series, you did watch the games. Yes. I hope you weren't falling asleep during no, no. them. What did you think it's of the World the Series? Uh, Houston, very impressive. Uh, that pitching staff, incredible. They do a great job. Obviously, Dusty Baker should be in the Hall of Fame, as you mentioned. Uh, James Click, the GM. It looks like, uh, you know, he's got a, a sounds like a one-year offer to return, which to me may be an invitation to leave, which is a little surprising because he did a, a great Especially job. Especially since David Stearns could get out of his contract yeah, it, any it year. it doesn't seem like or a, his contract's done in a year. It doesn't seem like the, the vote of confidence uh, uh, that he deserves, but they, they all did a great job there. Obviously, Pena was fantastic, deserved the MVP. That bullpen, incredible. They were the better team. I did pick the Phillies. I, we, Rob Thompson was such a great guest. I'm not going to blame it on him, but he convinced me the Phillies could win, and they looked good there for three games. Uh, just not at the right. They didn't hit at the right time, but uh, I give the Phillies credit, too. I mean, they won, what, in the high 80s, and they made it all the way to the World Series, beating some great teams. And, uh, you know, they shored up the defense. Uh, Dave Dombrowski did a great job. He got a good center fielder. He probably got in the Hall got of Fame, too. Stuff. He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Absolutely. Four teams now in yeah. the World Series, right? That's, that's a Hall of Fame resume. Yeah. Uh, John, so, so two things stood out to me, one from each team. And I wonder what it means going forward. The Phillies got in as the sixth seed. A year ago, that yeah. doesn't even exist. They got in to some degree maybe because the Brewers traded Josh Hader. And if the Brewers don't trade Josh Hader, maybe the Brewers get in the right. playoffs. Phillies don't even get there. And so I wonder at this general manager's meetings we're at, are there a lot of GMs sitting and going, well, we could get to the mid-80s. We could be the sixth seed. And if you get hot and healthy at the right time, yeah. do you get through? I wonder if the Phillies are encouraging some teams here to be like, well, we were going to maybe wait another year, but like we could get to the mid-80s. That, that's the yeah. first, first thing that stands out. And I think the second thing that stands out was something everybody talked about, which is, look, the villainry never ends for the, what the 2017 Astros yeah. did. I know they try to say, oh, everyone was doing it. First of all, I don't think anyone was doing it nearly to the level they were no. doing it. And second of all, hey, if everyone's speeding on the highway but the cop pulls you over, you don't get to say everyone else was doing it. No. You get a ticket. No. They got caught. They, were they got punished. But what they've proved in all the subsequent years is that they're a great organization yeah. and a great team. There are only five remaining guys from that 2017 right. team. They particularly turned over the pitching staff to the point where they could survive if Justin Verlander right. leaves as a free agent this offseason, and he's going to win the Cy Young Award. It yeah. is a tremendous job by the Astros to outrun that history and remain a great team. Yeah, I mean, the conclusion was, and I think we knew this anyway, but it just solidified it, they didn't need to cheat. Certainly not to the extent that it's they It's like cheated. Barry Bonds. They didn't need to. Like, do. right? Like, well, but Barry Bonds turned himself from a, a great 
He was a Hall of Famer. Yeah, he was a Hall of Famer into, you know, Babe Ruth. Yeah, he didn't need Babe to Ruth do it. Steroids, Alex Rodriguez yeah. didn't need to do it. They would have been great players without Absolutely. It. I mean, Alex Rodriguez hit 340 right? right his first year. Didn't need to do it. Houston did not need to do it. Um, the players, you mentioned five. I mean, many of them really were not that guilty. I mean, or guilty at all. I mean, Justin Verlander was there, but he was a pitcher, so he was not personally benefiting. McCullers not personally benefiting as a pitcher. Bregman was a rookie. What was he supposed to say? I mean, certainly guilty, but what could he say? And Altuve didn't even take the signal. So, I mean, Altuve is like the face of the villainy, and he didn't, to me, that's not even cheating. I mean, should he have turned in his teammates? Who would do that? Nobody would do that, right? Not even you. Nobody would do that. No, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> I don't think. Well, maybe if it was you. Well, we'll discuss it on other shows, John. We have a lot of other shows coming up. I Just before we wrap up here, this today would not have been possible. Ben Friedfeld from MLB Network and Jenna Vandy Wright from MLB Network, they helped us set this up so we can do this from the GM meetings. Uh, you know, thank you for listening to the show, a podcast from the New York Post. Back in New York, Andrew Hartz is doing what he always does and Jake Brown to help us sound great. Uh, the Yes app, we drop on that on uh, Wednesday by noon Eastern time. Don't forget to give a view on that. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Give us a five-star rating on Apple and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, at John Heyman, at Joel Sherman 1. And of course, listen to us every Tuesday on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. <laughs>